the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We started the book of Colossians. One of the things that I told you was that the Colossian church had been invaded by a group called the Gnostics. The Gnostics believed, and in short, that, that God was distant, but they could know Him through their knowledge, through their superior knowledge. It was all about what you could know. It was all about intellectual strength. Matter was evil, and therefore God could not contact us directly, that He used all kinds of intermediaries to reach us, but that we could know Him through these dispensations. We could know Him intellectually. And some factions of the group believed you could live the way you wanted to live as long as you attained this deeper knowledge of Him. And they had infiltrated the Colossian church. Epaphras had gone to Rome where Paul was still in prison. Paul never met any of the Colossians. He just knew about them through Epaphras. And Epaphras is believed to be a convert of Paul's. And he related to Paul what his concerns were. And we believe that that is why Paul wrote this letter. One of the reasons Paul was stimulated to write this letter. But we also know a greater truth, don't we? Here's the reality of it. As we read this letter, we're not just reading a letter of a man written to a group of people. We're reading the Word of God. And here's what you can know. When you open up the Bible and you read, you're not reading in Colossians a letter of a man to a bunch of ancient people who had issues. You're reading something that God knew that you would one day take in. And he has put in this word, an eternal word, his word, a rhema that speaks to where you are right now. That speaks to what you're going through at this moment. It's a greater word than just the circumstances of Colossians. I'm going to begin to read in Colossians chapter 1, 1 through 9. It says, Paul, an apostle, a special messenger of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints, the consecrated people, and believing and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, 
grace, spiritual favor, and blessing to you, and heart peace from God our Father. We continually give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as we are praying for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the leaning of your entire human personality on Him, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, and of the love which you have shown for all the saints, God's consecrated ones. Because of the hope of experiencing what is laid up, reserved and waiting for you in heaven. Of this hope you have heard in the past, in the message of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you. Indeed, in the whole world, that is, that gospel is bearing fruit and is still growing by its own inherent power. Even as it has done among yourselves since the day you first heard and came to know and understand the grace of God in truth. You came to know the grace or undeserved favor of God in reality, deeply and clearly and thoroughly, becoming accurately and intimately acquainted with it. You have so learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ in our stead and as our representative in yours. Also, he has informed us of your love in the Holy Spirit. For this reason, we also, from the day we have heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Now, here's the issue. God is speaking to a need, but he's not just speaking to the need of Colossians. He's speaking to a need that you and I are dealing with even today. He's speaking to the temptation to sacrifice intimacy for knowledge. To be satisfied with knowing about God rather than knowing him. Paul introduces himself at the beginning of the letter, though they had no doubt heard of him and his teaching through Epaphras. And he makes the connection through Christ first because he wants him to understand and recognize that there is a deeper spiritual bond between Paul and them than a mutual acquaintance. He also wants them to understand that what he is speaking, his source is the Holy Spirit. That he is giving them the word of God. You see, the words of man may give you insight, but only the word of God gives you truth. And only the word of God is empowered to be truth to you. Paul affirms them in their faith and their hope, which is in no doubt because they had determined to know Christ in a deeper, more intimate way. And you know what? It's interesting to me that when you have a group of people who are determined to know Him or determined to, re- to embrace their relationship with Him, the enemy will immediately come in and say, the reason why, the reason why you do not know Him to the depth that you want to know Him, because there's going to be a need in us to know Him more. We can never get enough of Him. Isn't that true? The more you know Him, the more you want to know of Him. Well, the enemy takes that need in us and he comes to us and he says, Well, you need to be able to embrace more of this. You need to bring this into your life. You need to bring that into your life. If you only knew more, then you would have more of Jesus. You see, always the enemy speaks to our need. But if you look at the Word of God, God doesn't speak to the need as much as He speaks to the truth of that need. 
And he develops through Scripture a solid block that says everything you need is in Christ and Christ is your life. Everything that you need in this life is in Christ, and Christ is your life. No matter how much you think that you could attain more, it isn't true. You will never attain more than that life in you. And you know Him through living life with Him. We're going to talk more about this thing, but you will see in the book of Colossians this constant reference back to knowledge. 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 Gnosko. And that word has more to do with an intimate knowledge. A connection. Like the knowledge between a man and a woman. That cannot be put into a book. It is a knowledge of, of union. It's not a knowledge of facts. In verse 6, Paul confronts the heresy of the Gnostics kind of indirectly with truth. He says, Indeed, in the whole world that, that gospel is bearing fruit and is still growing by its own inherent power, even as it has done among yourselves ever since the day you first heard and came to know and understand the grace of God in truth. In other words, God brought you to truth, and God is keeping you in truth, and God is growing you in truth. You came to know and understand Him through grace. You didn't receive Him through what you knew. You received Him through the revelation He gave you. And here's the thing that always harkens back. We know Him in the same way we received Him. We received Him at the point that He revealed to us our need and we abandoned everything that was true of us then to embrace all that was true of Him in His death and resurrection and we became His children, new creations in Christ. In the same way, we grow. In the same way, we are sanctified. In the same way, we are ever exposing the truth of who we are. Not by gaining in knowledge. Not by works, lest any man should boast. But by the power of the Spirit of God as He brings us along from truth to truth. Not a truth that is without. Here's the interesting thing. This is not a truth that is outside of me. This is a truth that is within me. It exposes who is in me. I do not have to put it in to have it. I simply need to reckon upon it by faith and it is revealed here. You are equipped and complete in Christ. The Gnostics tried hard to convince them that they needed something more. The inference in this verse is that God brought you into truth, God is growing you in truth, and it is by God's revelation that you know Him, not in your understanding, but by grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 speaks to this. That it is from Him that you have your life in Christ, whom God made our wisdom from God. Whom God made our wisdom from God. Revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden, manifesting itself as our righteousness, 
thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God and our consecration making us pure and holy and our redemption providing our ransom from the eternal penalty of sin now the interesting thing about this wisdom is capitalized you know why? it's Jesus righteousness is capitalized you know why? It's Jesus. Consecration is capitalized. You know why? It's Jesus. Redemption is capitalized. You know why? It's Jesus. Christian, you are complete in Christ. You need nothing more. I've often said this. We do not live to what we know. We live to what we believe. And we receive revelation in the context of faith, not in the context of knowledge, not through our intellect. You've come this far in your relationship with Christ by faith and nothing more. You knew Him when you depended upon Him, when you reached out to Him. You actually came to know the truth of the life within you when circumstances pushed you to the point where you would not hold to anything but Jesus. And then you embrace Him and isn't there a familiar warmth in it? Isn't there a knowing there? That that life embraced you? It was not foreign. It was not something that was strange. It was not something weird. It was something that was natural because it was our life. That's how we know Him. By faith, I know Him as my provision. By faith, I know Him as my healing. By faith, I know Him as wisdom. By faith, I know Him as my protection. By faith, I know Him in all these things. Though the world would declare to me that He is none of those things. That this world possesses those things. And I must beseech Him to allow the world to give me those things. I realize that what the world gives me is death. What He gives me is life and life is natural because I have Him as my life. That's not an intellectual understanding. Loving my wife is not an intellectual understanding. Loving my children is not an intellectual understanding. I could not love my children more no matter how many books I read. And how many people through marriage are trying to love them each other more by reading books? Is there anyone who can testify to that actually working? Then why are they writing more? The Christian bookstores are full of it. And you know why? Because it takes Jesus. And Jesus won't be known through a book. And Jesus won't be lived through an understanding. He's lived through life, through trusting and leaning and believing on Him. I've said it so many times. You guys are probably tired of hearing it, but it's the truth. Your life on this earth is about intimacy with Christ. That's what your life here is about. If you believe He is your life, then you will be satisfied with the abundance that is in Him. If you don't believe that He is your life, then you will try to be satisfied with knowing about Him. And you'll walk away shaking your head saying, I just don't get it. Those who would walk this life in the truth of their union will live it by faith. And by faith they will have intimacy, not knowledge. 
Everything is succinctly said about this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. In Him I share His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. So how do we live this life in the body? By faith. Wait a minute. He just said that we died with Him and that we rose with Him and that I have Him as my life. Why do I need faith? Because everything around you tells you that you don't. This world is continually telling you that you don't. And God says, I'm your reality. Your circumstances aren't your reality. I'm your reality. I am your life. How do we live in this body? By faith. Let's look at Colossians 1.9. For this reason, we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Now, first, God is speaking to you. This is the Father's heart for you. Forget the Colossians. This is what He wants for you. And He's not talking about Bible study. That's not what He's talking about. Again, Paul is pointing to the Father's heart for the Colossians. See, who's calling Paul to ceaseless prayer? Who is it? Who is empowering him for ceaseless prayer? Who is it? This is not religious propriety that has brought him to this place. He says, we have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you. Now listen, anytime you're called to intercession, that's not the enemy. Can you believe that? Anytime you're called into intercession, you need to know and receive the truth that that is the Spirit of God moving your heart towards intercession. And if He's moving your heart towards intercession, He is moving you into the presence of God. Not for Sister Mary Lou or whoever you happen to be praying for, but for you to enter into His will concerning whatever you're praying about so that you can fully embrace the truth of His life in that circumstance, His will in that circumstance. Paul, was provoked, moved, given unction, however you want to put it, to pray for the Colossians. And not just any prayer. It wasn't like the prayer your children have prayed, mine too, God bless mommy and daddy. God bless the Colossians. No, this is a pretty specific one, isn't it? Well, look at, the, look at how it stacks up. You've got Epaphras down there, okay? Now you would say to me, the reason Paul was praying that prayer is because of what he heard from Epaphras. I'm telling you that the reason he heard what he heard from Epaphras is because God put it in Epaphras to go to Paul and because God wanted Paul to enter into the issues at the Colossian church because God had a word that he wanted to speak not to the Colossian church specifically but to mankind who would be his children. 
You see, we have our own religious little box we try to cram everything into, and we get all the history and the people and who he was talking to, and all that is important. But understand this, that the Word of God is not specific in the sense that everybody, he says, I'm speaking to the Ephesians, I'm speaking to the Colossians. He's speaking to the San Antonians. He's speaking to whoever is a child of God. That's who he's speaking to. And here's the other thing. You see this specific prayer? It is his desire for you. You see, when God puts a prayer in your heart, it is his desire. You are speaking back the truth of what God has put in you. See, we often do not know what to pray. But the Spirit of God who is in us makes constant petition before the throne. For He prays in truth concerning our condition and our situation. Do you know what so often corrupts the prayer of the saint? Self. Our personal interest. That's what corrupts it more often than not. Not the enemy. But the enemy uses self to get it done. But here's the bottom line. The Spirit of God speaks absolute truth. And because it's in the Word of God, I know that these are the words of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God spoke to Paul, the heart of God, concerning the people in Colossae. And he says, this is what I desire for them. This is my desire. Paul's pointing to the Father's heart. This verse reflects a passionate desire that the Colossians have this. This is not a passive inclination. God says to the Colossians, It is ever in my heart that you embrace this, that you have this, that you be filled with this. Now look at that, be filled with this. Are these Christians? They are, aren't they? They're Christians. Well, wouldn't they naturally be inclined towards these things? They might be inclined, but here's what he is saying, and this is the inference. It is a choice to be filled. You see, what is he referring to? He's not referring to your spirit, which is in union with Christ and ever filled with his presence. He is referring to the soul, to the mind, will, and emotions, which is always filled with something, but not necessarily truth. Because if it was always filled with truth, nobody would be having emotional issues. Nobody would be feeling rejected. Nobody would be at odds with anybody. It would be perfection. But because it is not always filled with truth, because it is more likely filled with the controversies of the day, with the issues that you're facing, with your own special self-centered point of view, rather than Christ, rather than the power of the Spirit of God, then our point of view, our perspective in things becomes twisted. He says, I want you to be filled with this. I want you to be filled to the point of overflowing. Notice it says that you may be filled. And in the translation of the Greek, the subject receives the action, which means we do not fill ourselves. Did you hear me? We do not fill ourselves. It means to be divinely filled. Now what is that telling you up front? He's not talking about how much you're studying. Okay? He's not talking about how much you're memorizing. It's about being divinely filled. Which is, it? you know, in terms of our relationship with Christ, it's about how much will you receive? How much will you yield? The soul is an instrument to be yielded unto the Lord, to be filled with His presence and His life. And it is so clear to us when it is not. We suffer when it isn't. 
We deal with confusion. We deal with pain. We are easily taking in all manner of deception and twisted ideas and the wisdom, quote-unquote, of this world. That's what's going on with the Colossians. It's the temptation that they would leave the filling of Christ and embrace human understanding as a way to knowing God. It's the same word that is used in Ephesians 5.18, the filling of capacity, which means that what fills you would control you and domineer you. That's why that verse in 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be ever filled, constantly. And again, he speaks of the soul, stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to rule over your soul, your mind, will, and emotions so that you can have the abundance of life. Here's the thing. Jesus said to us, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And he is still saying that to us. He's not talking about salvation. He said, life. He said, life, which means living, which means the function of living. I have come that you might have an abundant living Okay? So what is he talking about? If I receive Christ, I have abundant living. You have that abundant life within you. But when he says that you may have, here it goes even further, your soul doesn't have to be filled with abundance and life. It can be filled with death. It can be filled with the concerns of this world. It can be filled with self-seeking and self-centered thinking. It can be filled with bitterness. It can be filled with anger. It can be filled with religious intention. It can be filled with all manner of things. Is that abundant life? Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.